As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is presented in part by the Moser Great American Bracket Race and Dream Team Challenge. Memorial Day weekend, Britt Cummings and Galen Rollison will host the inaugural Great American $20,000 Bracket Race and Scoggin Dickey Dream Team Challenge at Memphis International Raceway. Check them out on Facebook to stay up to date with all updates and news. In addition, today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're an open-minded racer with a desire to improve on the racetrack, This Is Bracket Racing Elite can provide the tools to help you do so. Everyone and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in Sportsman Drag Racing and the stars within it. Gotta hear this. This week on what everyone is talking about. All right, Luke, so this is the time where we start talking about what everyone else is talking about. Unfortunately, for the second week in a row, we need to talk about some sad news. The very unfortunate and unexpected passing of a fellow racer from the Nashville area, Miss Susan McMillan. My understanding is that Susan had not been sick. It was just uh, one of those unfortunate things that happened and passed in her sleep. And, um, you know, just very, very sad. Luke, I know you knew Susan. You raced with her a little bit. Footbrake competitor from down here in the southeast. And she was tough, man. She won our Ladies' Night Out Challenge at Bristol in 2013. Just an extremely tough, not only female racer, but just racer in general, Sweet, sweet lady off the track and uh, just well-liked and admired, and she will definitely be missed. Yeah, we've got to start in shows like this. This is 
Yeah, bad no news. No, I was just like you. I was really saddened to see that. I won't claim to be particularly close with Susan and her family, but obviously knew them through racing. I think we first met. I want to say that she and I ran in the final at Music City at one of the Southern Survival races years ago. I'm pretty sure she kicked my butt. But as you <laughs> said, Susan I, was an awesome racer, and just I don't know when I when you think of like bracket racing in general in the grassroots bracket racer like susan and, and duff they're the epitome of that yeah. you know just eat sleep live breathe this stuff we're at the hill seemingly every time they open the gates it was a really good racer it had a lot of fun doing it. it seemed like the family was all around it so yeah yeah just thoughts and and, and prayers to the to the family in this time well said thoughts and prayers to duff and the rest of the family and all our friends that were impacted by susan's loss and uh, godspeed susan mcmillan and so, Luke, we, we need to move forward with some things that are a little more fun to talk about for sure. And, man, the four wide uh, at Vegas, it, you know, it looked a little odd because the view I've had from the tower for a few years, just you never could really picture there being two more lanes over there. But that was pretty cool. I'm sure you got to see plenty of it. It looked like quite the spectacle. Sold out national event, I think, for the first time in a long time in Vegas, but I believe for the third time this season, her third consecutive national event that has been sold out. It seems like I read that somewhere. And like I said, just a, a spectacle. Like if you're going to have four, what are they, 10,000 horsepower nitro cars <laughs> launching at once, what better place to do it than in Las Vegas, right? It's Vegas, baby. Yeah, it was really cool. And again, as you mentioned, the venue being where it is and in Sin City and being such a legendary facility, I just couldn't have got any better. You know, whether you're a fan of four cars going down the track at the same time or not, and I've seen a lot of different opinions there, but you had to know that was just as cool as it gets in Vegas. And job well done by the the crews that got all that ready in time for them to compete. And well, our four good lanes too. So. Uh, congrats to everybody, Jeff Foster and all the folks out in Vegas, and i um, really glad to see that come together like it did. Yeah, that's what the, what I wanted to touch on there. Just kudos to Jeff Foster and that crew and Bruton Smith, everybody involved there, because I don't know if, you, if our listeners are aware of the timeline, but like they had their Thanksgiving race with the two-lane track yeah. <laughs> in, in late November, and I would imagine that that's not – a simple undertaking you know i mean you think well you just add two lanes but i mean they tore everything out you're talking new guardrails thankfully jeff had had actually mentioned this to me when we talked about it that when they had originally laid that track out what well over a decade ago yeah that the four wide concept was in mind so the right lane scoreboard which i don't even remember noticing racing there but it was moved over dramatically from the right hand wall to accommodate four lanes he said that that would have been a <laughs> massive undertaking to try to move that scoreboard so that was in play but really all along yeah all along it, it was it never had been noticed it all right that's what i said well done. um but uh yeah you can just imagine the logistics and the people and the money and the work involved in doing that and to make it all come together in what at least from the outside seemed like time to spare you know what i mean it was yeah. uh, pretty pretty impressive Same thing yeah it, you know i'm sure the cameras 
would have been careful not to catch it if it were the case. But it didn't look like it was a job that they just wrapped up, you know, Monday night. It it looked like <laughs> it's been four wide for years. The the outside of the racetrack just looked manicured and taken care of. And I don't know, it was just really, really impressive. I'm sure being in Vegas allowed them a little better weather conditions than normal to get it done, but they took advantage of it and got it done. So that's really awesome. There were some uh, great performances out there too, Luke. Yeah. Before we get to that, what's, I'm curious, you mentioned it. What's your take? Like, I know this is a sportsman drag racing podcast, but four wide in general fan. Um, I just, man, I don't want to ruin everything we just said by (laughs) saying I'm not a huge fan. I don't know. It just doesn't seem traditional. So I lose a little something there. And every year, somebody capable of winning seems to get beaten because of the quagmire that it presents and, and everybody getting staged right. And I know they've been over it and they know how it works and they should be prepared but doggone it, just seems like every year something happens and somebody gets beat because of that. I'm not a big fan of adding degrees of difficulty to what they're doing already, and I think that does. But just watching four cars go down the racetrack really fast is still cool. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I, I'll play devil's advocate. Obviously, I've never raced in a four-wide setup. Obviously, there's a lot more to consider. I doubt that many drivers are a fan of it just for that reason. But... And and I'm not a fan of, like, I certainly wouldn't want to see every national event venue go this direction. But two times a year, like, to watch four nitro cars take off at once, like, I just think it's cool. And, and keep in mind, I'm saying that, and I'm watching it on TV. I've never actually been live to see that. I can only imagine the spectacle that that is. But I'm, I'm one that, again, like, I, I guess I'm a non-traditionalist or whatever. I wouldn't want everything to switch over to that. But for a spectacle a couple of times a year, I think it's cool. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. All right. So while the pros were racing four lanes, the sportsmen were just using two lanes of Las Vegas Motor Speedway. We had some pretty impressive performances, some pretty cool stories to talk about from the sportsman side of the action in Las Vegas. And that is where we get this week's Siebert performance, Who's Hot? He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. Siebert performance, Who's Hot? Siebert performance is now offering engine and carburetor packages. This week's featured package is the Pro Series Bracket 400. It's a 675 horsepower small block Chevy built with reliability and longevity in mind. It has a dart block, AFR heads, vacuum pump, distributor, and you can get a Siebert Performance carburetor as available as a package. Contact Luke Siebert at 785-286-6813 or check out SiebertPerformance.com. So, Luke, we got another hot driver, and this guy just really won't cool off. I mean, (laughs) he's staying hot. I love him, really love the guy, but I'm almost tired of talking about how great he is. And that's not really what Secret Performance Who's Hot's all about, but tell us who is hot this week. I mean, I don't want to throw you under the bus here, Jed, but I'm not I'm not sick of it at all. I'd talk about how great Justin <laughs> Lamb is every week of the year if he'd just go racing enough. I was going to say, if he races, we're talking about how great he is. That's awesome. <laughs> Justin Lamb, we, he's a friend of the podcast. 
was scored one of the most illustrious doubles in the history of sportsman drag racing. He just a few months ago became just the third driver in history to win national championships in two categories in the same season. I was a little bit surprised to see that this was his first national event double. Uh, really? I think he I think he'd been close a few times. I know he's doubled at the divisional level, but this was this was Justin's first national event double. Got the win in Superstock and Stock at his home track at Las Vegas at the first four wide event at his home track in Las Vegas. So I don't know that you could script a better time to score that double. So kudos <laughs> no, to Justin. He is this week's Seabird performance. Who's hot? Yeah, I mean he's got great equipment. But that's just not enough in today's racing environment. I mean, you have to be on top of your game. There's different strategies. You know, he's hitting the bottom two different ways in two different types of car. Just, I don't know, man, it's very impressive. And it's getting to the point where he is turning on so many wind lights. I'm sure that when he doesn't double up, it's just a little bit aggravating, which just seems crazy to say. But doggone, the guy's just, I mean, makes killer runs and... Who's hot once again? Justin Lamb. Congratulations, Justin. Everybody in the camp, you know, Kyle, Chris, everybody. I know everybody's got a hand in that. So great job by everybody involved and uh, another excellent, excellent performance by the Lamb Racing Team. But Justin, um, he wasn't the only one that was hot this weekend, Luke. No, and I don't want to heap on the praise, but I will a little bit because I was just thinking about this. Like, we didn't have this in the show notes, but. To my knowledge, Justin's been out four times a season. He did go to Pomona and managed not to win. Okay, so that was that's notable. <laughs> we should probably talk about that more often than when he does. But then went to the uh, Phoenix National Event, won Superstock there, went to Tucson for four size bracket race, and won what, like the no box shootout or something like that. Yeah, there. ten thousand dollar shootout. Right in his Superstock car, comes to Vegas, doubles up. I know he said. I know he's told me. I want to say that he's announced publicly, like he has no intentions of chasing the world championship. That just changed. Um, I would assume <laughs> that he's going to enter the divisional event this weekend in Las Vegas. And, I mean, it is Vegas, so if we're going to lay odds, like he's got a pretty good chance of doing some damage in Superstock. If he wins again, like I think you got to reevaluate that plan, right? There's no doubt about it. He'll have to, and um, I guess that remains to be seen. But at this point, I wouldn't bet against it. Uh, the right. guy's just on fire. Great job, and... I'm sure um, we've got a hashtag JJ's top 10 mention coming in uh, later in the month, too. So Justin doing both of those on the bottom. That's got to put him firmly in the picks. But, Luke, let's talk real quick after we've talked about Justin being who's hot. Kind of our, you know, we don't do it every week, but honorable mention or what have you. A young man in Florida Uh, This guy's just ultra-talented. I've watched it at the WFC. We've all seen the post here and there, and we've heard the talk because you and I both know some people that are heavily involved with this young man. But Gage Birch did something (laughs) at Immokalee that even really, really, really talented people just don't have the option to do. (laughs) <laughs> no, you uh, obviously Justin gets this week's who's hot, but you mentioned JJ's top 10. I have a feeling Gage Birch is going to appear in JJ's top 10 in, in <laughs> April, even if he does nothing more than what he did last weekend. But yeah. Saturday at Amakli Regional Raceway, Gage won four 
events on Saturday. They do a two races in one day deal. He won no box in both races. He won junior dragster in both races. And I think what floored me about that more than anything is just the idea that Gage Birch is still young enough to race a junior dragster. Like, it seems like he's been winning no box races at a high level for several years. Like, I think he's generally respected as one of, certainly one of the up and coming, if not already one of the best bottom ball racers in the country. And to think, obviously, he's 18 years old or younger, it's really, really impressive. And four races in one day, my goodness. Yeah, just, I mean, he can't do it, especially... Yeah, obviously a lot of people won't get the option to run junior dragster and no box same event, but still that just, that doesn't seem uh, like it's possible. You know, this young man was the same young man we talked about last year, winning multiple Wally's in one day at an event. And now he comes and gets four races in one day. And, you know, for most of the people that are listening to this podcast, Luke, they're not going to know a whole lot about Gage Birch or Florida racers because, I don't know. You've been to Immokalee. What's Immokalee? Uh, five, six hours from a state line? Uh, uh, get... No, it's eight or nine. Okay. I, so. I think Bruce Thrift put it best. The One of the first, I think I had already been there. One of the first times that I was on my way to Immokalee, I'm talking to Bruce on the phone, and Bruce said, you know how to get there, right? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been there before. He goes, you just keep going south till you see Castro. You come back, turn around, come back one block. You had a mockery. <laughs> <laughs> That's way down there. It's way so, down there. So, you know, most of our listeners don't know much about the Florida racing scene, and it's easy to let ourselves believe that Gage goes and does a performance like this in a less-than-talented field. Those racers just, it's hard to travel from Florida. You know, the Troy Williams and the Gary Williams of the world get the option to do it. But everybody don't. And they're super talented racers in that area of the country. So Gage didn't walk through a a weak field, I assure you. This guy was probably racing some great talent and still got it done. So great job by Gage. Uh, Justin Lamb, obviously the C performance who's hot, but Gage a heck of an honorable mention there to uh, to get him in the second position with that great performance. Yeah, Jed, let's walk this back back to the four wide discussion, back to Vegas anyway, and we'll we'll talk about two cars at one time in the sportsman ranks. Justin wasn't the only driver on a roll in Las Vegas over the weekend. He actually wasn't the only driver on a roll in stock and super stock. We mentioned he won both classes. He defeated Brad Burton in the super stock final and in the stock eliminator semifinal. So what would typically be an awesome day for Brad Burton, former two-time national champion Brad Burton, was completely overshadowed by Justin's performance and obviously in the opposite lane in both times. Yeah, and he, he turned it red on him in the super stock final and um, stock got beat in the semi. So had it not been for Justin, bad Brad might have had another worthy performance from him to get him in the secret performance who's hot talk but we all know uh, everybody knows brad obviously as you mentioned former national champion and he's a ultra talented bottom bulber from out on the west coast and um you know I, i'm sure that he is going to make his name in super stock as he has done in stock so looking forward to seeing brad competing in the super stock ranks but another hot performer out there was bradley johnson luke 
Yeah, no question. I think, Mark, you could double-check me on this as we're talking. I'm pretty sure that Bradley Johnson's Super Comp win at Las Vegas was his first national event victory. And he almost got his second the same day. Another one that was super hot, deep in two categories. Bradley Johnson got the win in Super Comp, also advanced to the semifinal of Super Gas. So that's pretty cool. I don't know that anyone has ever gotten their first two national event wins at the same event. I don't think that's ever happened. Bradley got close, if I'm right. You can double check me on that, Mark, make sure I'm not lying. And in Supergas, again, the winner was Michael Miller, runner-up Aaron Kennard, and I thought that that was worthy of mention because Aaron also won Supergas at the division race in Phoenix a few weeks prior. He could be a hot commodity when we do the redraft for the uh, NHRA Pick'em segment in a few months. You and me and Kevin McKenna there. I don't mm. believe any of us took Aaron Kennard in the original draft. He's already going to be a player in the redraft, and Definitely. I mean, if he doesn't do anything more than he has already, and if he makes another final round, like he's probably going to be the one that we're fighting over. I was misinformed, or I was mistaken, I should say. Mark just got me informed. That was the second national event win for Bradley Johnson. So my apologies, Bradley. Second national event win for him out in Vegas. So, Luke, you just look down our show notes here, and we're seeing, you know, guys going to the semis and the final and double ups. And we talked a little bit about it uh, late last year, but, and I thought maybe it's just because more and more racers are giving themselves an opportunity by taking two cars with stackers and all the things we've got available to us now. But, man, you're seeing this a lot. What is leading to this, I guess, surge of people going deep or doubling up so often now? I don't have a great answer there jed i do think that a large part of it is just we actually talked about this off air that the expenses associated with racing nowadays are more so in getting everything to the racetrack more so than paying the entry fee so to speak and now if you're going to travel at that level it's easier and it probably makes more sense in most cases to take two cars so i do think that there are more racers running multiple categories than probably any time in the past. So obviously that's Mm. some of it. But to your point, I don't know, because I've been on both sides of this. Like I've been through strings where whenever I did good, I seemed to lose early in the other car. And of course, you use that psychologically to say, well, now I can focus all my attention on the car that's in. But there have been a few instances where I've been deep in both cars. I, I did manage to double once personally. And at that time, you use that psychological advantage. Well, I'm just rolling and one car feeds the other. You know what I mean? So it's kind of tricking yourself either way, sure. I guess. But I, I do think that that momentum can build if you make it to third, fourth round in both cars, you know, where one feeds off the other. Now, that can also be a deterrent because I think the hardest thing in racing is to, like Bradley Johnson did, drop one in the semis and then come back and finish in the other. You know what I mean? Because you have all of that momentum built up and you think nothing can go wrong. And then all of a sudden you go from, you can't help but think ahead a little bit and envision yourself holding two trophies in the winner's circle to all of a sudden, oh my goodness, if I don't finish this, I ain't going to get one. (laughs) And that's a little bit of a shock to the senses, you know what I mean? So overcoming that, probably the most difficult thing, and that's something that Bradley was able to do 
and I guess to some extent Brad Burton wasn't, but extenuating circumstances, he's A, racing Justin Lamb, and B, what was he, two thou red in the finals? So yeah. Not by much, so. You know, I know we don't have a whole lot of time to talk about it much more, but real quick, you know, for, for guys like me that won't ever really be in this position, and we got a lot of listeners that won't be in this position. Yeah, Jed, hold on. Yes. We can't, this is a podcast, man. We got all the time in the world. Do you not realize we've done this for like nine? Oh yeah. Before? Yeah, they're they're begging us to go longer. My fault. I forgot about that. We can talk about anything. Well, but. somebody somewhere <laughs> is begging us to go longer. At any rate. <laughs> How difficult, especially at the national event level where it's all about the show and keeping things flowing and efficient. How difficult is it as you move into the very late rounds with two opportunities? Uh, are they putting a lot of pressure on you to get back? Are you having those discussions with whoever in the staging lanes? What What's that going on there? I think in some cases it's actually an advantage just because a national event is so strug, drug out that it's easy to get inside your own head and kind of overthink the upcoming round. If you've got two cars in, there's less opportunity to do that. It feels a little bit more like the late rounds of a bracket race. But then you get more to your point and to the flip side of that is, say, from the semifinals on, you do. Most of the time, I will say that the NHRA officials go out of their way to be accommodating. You know, like They realize that you're still in twice. You know, or that you're still in two cars. Yeah. So they'll run one class, you know, at the front of the line and the other class at the back. But at the same time, they're on a schedule. Like, you do need to be up there. So um, <laughs> there have been instances where I've had somebody drive a car for me. I've been, like, I was in the final in both classes at Brainerd a few years ago. And I won the in the first car and left it, like, at the turnoff and had a buddy waiting. Actually, shout out Brett Spear, waiting on a scooter to drive me back to the staging lane so that I could hop in the other car and make the final before the pro TVs. Like I didn't have time to get everything freed up, do the post-race festivities and get back to the staging lane. So it is, it's a, it's a little bit of a juggling act, but it's nothing that the NHRA folks don't work with you on. Well, good. That's good to know. Cause we've always heard the horror stories about how they tell you that, you know, you're getting pushed or whatever. So it's good to know they work with you. So, Let's move to something I'm really looking forward to talking about, and that was uh, No Limit Promotions event at Darlington, the Triple Crown 25s. Looked like a really good crowd there that they had. They had some weather challenges. We paid 25000 on Friday. Uh, Saturday saw the bad weather come and made a really good call just to move into a, a beautiful Sunday and run for 50 instead of 25 each day. And some guys that uh, show out a lot did quite well. Yeah, Friday's 25 grander saw Chad Trailer. Shout out, this is Bracket Racing Elite. Chad is a flavor. Flavor, <laughs> Taking home the 25 grand over Kenny Underwood. Jed, did you happen to catch the final on live feed? I did not. I okay, did not. I don't know exactly the story because I wasn't watching it either. I just saw a bunch of comments, and actually we talked about this a fair amount within This is Bracket Racing Elite. I think in the final, Kenny and Chad did their burnouts and were shut off for a fairly extended period of time, like three, four, five minutes. Really? And when they fired him back up, Chad Trailers dialed 440-something. Chad, you want to back up and do another burnout? Nope, I'm good. Staged it up and went right down Broadway. That's pretty cool. <laughs> well, you said that a couple of weeks ago that, you know, people like to think that you got to do all these big burnouts and all that. Just 
get them hot and tires are great and converters are great and all that. Just get them hot and go to the line. I guess that's what he did. That's it. That's it. And you would think in that situation, like, I don't want to say common wisdom, maybe conventional uh, older wisdom maybe would say that that's what is Kenny going six O's. Six O door yeah, car has the advantage over the four forty dragster in, in that case. Not necessarily the case. And there's something to going fast and driving that tire into the ground all the way down the racetrack. I've I've said for a long time since I started going fast that you would think that those cars would be more track sensitive. They're typically not. And uh, and Chad Trailer had that on display. Congrats, Chad. Yeah, great to see Chad get that done. It's not Chad's first big win. This this guy's uh, he is uh, familiar with the winter circle and how to get it done at big events. So, really happy to see him get that done. And um, we're, we've got some show notes here that Mark has tossed in the middle of before we talked about our next big winner. Asked if we saw Shab's new highlight show. Uh, I, I missed that. Did you catch that? I wasn't going to bring that up because I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> well, <laughs> shout out to Shabs. Uh, I don't know what he's talking about either. But Yeah, uh, so everybody Mike, Mike check, yeah, check this out. Shabs Facebook or um, uh, what is that? Drag Racing Memes. Maybe it's on there. Funny video clip of the whole staging deal. So, yeah, I got to check that out and we'll be as surprised <laughs> as you are. <laughs> so we're moving to Sunday where we race for 50 grand. And uh, by the way, if you're not familiar with No Limit Promotions, that is Danny Waters Jr. and it is Wesley Washington. Uh, those guys putting together the Triple Crown 25s, and this was their first event. And again, already making pro decisions by changing Saturday and just moving into a 50 grander on Sunday. Luke, you know his brother does it all the time, but now I guess this guy just does it too. Just wins 50s or more. Yeah, we've talked about Troy quite a bit on the show. Very possibly the most accomplished competitor in the history of big dollar bracket racing. Comes through yet again over another guy that is no stranger to big money final rounds. Troy got the $50,000 win over Slick Rick. Richard Alford. Yeah, yeah Richard Alford Jr., uh, you know, well known for doing it either on the top or the bottom, but probably mostly the bottom in the car that he runnered up the 50 grander to Troy Williams Jr. So, uh, again, very talented guy. Doesn't get out and ride around a whole lot. If it's North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia area, he's going to be a threat to win the race. But he's busy man, works hard, don't have a whole lot of time to travel. But when he does get out to the racetrack, he does quite well. But Troy, you know, coming off the, the 50 grand win there in Bristol in September and getting the early 50 here in 2018 just looks poised to have another wonderful season. Congratulations to Troy and the FTI racing team there for the huge win. For sure. I'm, I'm actually trying to watch Shabs's video while we're doing the show, which is probably not the healthiest thing that I've ever done, but it looks cool. <laughs> yeah. All right, where are we at here? Spring Cha-Ching, we, uh, we previewed a week ago. This was uh, set to uh, hit Pine Valley Raceway in East Texas. Sounds like that's some weather there. That event is rescheduled for May 18th through the 20th. And Big Jed, there's a couple other things I wanted to touch on before we go to break. I know we don't talk much about the PDRA here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. I think that, to me, that's more of a pro mod outlaw type show, but yeah. obviously they have top dragster and top sportsman. As you know, as we as we reached out a week ago, like we are all about the story here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Yes, we and are. This one's close to us, so I know that we're a little bit biased, but the story 
of the top dragster winner at PDRA Galat, which is pretty cool. Yeah, our uh, our podcast fill in for you and you're on vacation, and uh, you're this is bracket racing elite teammate or, or co-host and just all around good guy and great friend kevin the rabbit brannon uh, obviously had the unfortunate incident at gainesville earlier this year uh rolled the the new maddox dragster over trying to go fast just had a horrible weekend it was tearing up parts it was uh wrecked it, it just had it was a terrible weekend for him you know when you see those things especially in a car like that you think well this could be a while before kb gets back not only did maddox guys get him back in a hurry but between those guys and par racing engines and kevin using the knowledge he's got holy smokes loot <laughs> this thing come back mean yeah yeah and it ends well like right at a month removed from three or four barrel rolls at Gainesville. KB drives to the winner circle and Glott, uh, first time back with his top drag extra car. And like you say, not only do you win a, a in a, amongst a tough field in the yes. PDRA, just to qualify in those events, you got to be pretty freaking fast. And this is the, the show notes here say KB went 376. Whoa. <laughs> that's not the verbiage that i used in when when i was updating the show notes that is the the cleaned up published mark, version mark <laughs> yeah appreciate that mark appreciate you looking out for us 376 big jet and he wasn't the fastest pro charger car there there was i think um cheeseman went like 368 wow yeah i you know i I knew kb was there running and and i think uh we texted a little bit early in the weekend he sent me a text with a time slip i should dig it up but i think it was like a 390 something and he was like seeing how he's happy you know like yeah that's good and then they turn the wick up and go 376 like dude that thing is flying and then you take it to the winner circle Right, yeah, he's he's. I mean, he's dropping and ripping at 376. I'm sure. So that's uh, yeah, at 190. And I, just for clarification, because I had to ask him, we were texting back and forth. I'm like, what is that to the quarter? Like, you can't run that fast, can you? And he said, no, that should be 570 something. 570 something, Jed. And he's got a dial six flat, so obviously <laughs> he turns it down. He don't hold all that. I mean, he's probably holding a fair amount of it, but yeah, I wouldn't I just put it past him. Really happy to see that for KB. Great job, bud. Congratulations on the win, the, the fast ET slips, and just getting back out there. It's really cool to see. I know, um, like, like myself, you like to follow the races. I know that you get into other sports, too. So before we go to break, I assume being the the golf fan that you are i think you've actually been there before were, were you checking yes. out the masters over the weekend yes glued to it luke uh, couldn't couldn't quit watching it uh did miss you know a little bit here and there just doing stuff i needed to do no racing this weekend so you know i was tuned in and obviously if you're a golf fan you know patrick reed won it uh there's a lot of opinions about patrick out there he is brash confident cocky brace of whatever he is but he's really good at golf too and uh, he got it done went to the the green jacket ceremony there at masters but i have been uh, several times over the years luke i'm very fortunate i work for a company that the owner is a member and he uh, values taking customers to this event so i've gotten to do that quite a few times over the years the most unbelievable piece of landscape that i've ever seen in my life it is 
you see it on TV, you realize that it is just a masterpiece and it doesn't even do it justice. And on top of that, they've got wonderful $1.50 egg salad sandwiches that, you know, I could just sit and eat all day. So the Masters is a heck of an experience. You just know you're somewhere special when you're there. The only problem I got about it or with it is you can't take your cell phone into Augusta National Golf Club. So uh, when I'm there, I reach for the cell phone 27 times a day and it's not there. It's it's sitting on a plane or on a in a bus or something. So I hate that about it because you can't take pictures and with your cell phone, you got to take camera, but place is historic and it's amazing. See, now I find that refreshing because like, I just, I feel like you then have to enjoy the surroundings and the people that you're with. Yeah. I I actually think that that's cool. I know it's a bit of a throwback and it's not uh, commonplace these days, but I think that's one of the cooler things about Augusta. No, I've never been personally, but just watching it on TV, like it looks like such a spectacle. And um, I only imagine how cool it is to be there. Now, you said that you're in a fortunate position. I would assume that you are, because I don't know exactly what you're working with in terms of personal budget, but... I was listening to another podcast over the weekend. I was I was out of town over the weekend. My uh, I had a cousin that got married, actually in Georgia, but uh, around Atlanta, not too close to Augusta. So uh, I was keeping up with the Masters on the way home, watching it on my phone while my wife was driving at times, listening on the radio at other times. Like, it seemed like quite the final round, a lot of storylines. But yeah, back to my point, the the podcast that I was listening to, like it was a it was trivia, and it was you know what does a four-day badge to the master's sell for and i thought oh i bet it's expensive right <laughs> i uh i would have guessed like maybe a quarter of what they actually said they said that these things were selling on like seat geek and i don't know like i assume that's secondhand so it might be marked up a little bit but four-day badge to the master's seventy eight hundred dollars <laughs> holy that's- smokes big jed yeah, it's crazy, you know, that you can't just go buy tickets. I mean, they the Masters, Augusta National has some lotteries that you can win here and there, but you can't go up to the counter and buy tickets. So these things are very difficult to get. So obviously that runs the price up. I had no idea it was that much. I, I saw that while we were communicating about the show, and um, I was taken back by it. I really thought that it was going to be in the $3,000 range, but... It is, uh, it's crazy. Again, very fortunate to have gotten to go several times, um, get the member guest pass. When I do get to go, I'm not being braggadocious here. I'm just trying to tell the story. And the member guest pass gets you back into the trophy room. It gets you back into the area where the players are kind of, you know, hanging out or whatever. And some pretty cool people back there. So um, thank you, Thompson Tractor. Shout out for uh, allowing me to, to get to go to the Masters. Look forward to going back soon. But uh, I was rooting for Dustin Johnson. I really uh, wanted, after last year, DJ having the incident that uh, kept him from being able to participate in the Masters. I was really hoping for that redemption story. But it was cool to see Patrick Reed get it done. Obviously, Jordan and Ricky and Rory and everybody in the mix was fun to watch. It was a, it was a really cool event. Sorry to talk too much golf on the show, but I love it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, A, I appreciate the humble brag there. Um, that, that was cool. And, and and B, like, if you could just equate that to racing, like, regardless of what anybody thinks of, of Patrick Reed, like, this was his first major, first major win. 
Yeah. And obviously he's extremely talented. I think they said he's a top 25 player in the world. But you come into that, the caliber of the field behind him, like it would be like being in at four cars left at the million dollar race, having never won a 10 grander. I don't know. That's probably not fair because I know Patrick Rodriguez won on the tour, but never won anywhere near that level. And you get to the staging lanes at four and it's like, Johnny Ezel, Peter Biondo, and Jason Lynch. You go, <gasps> you know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah. to be able to actually pull through and hold off that field, I thought that was the, the story of the tournament. Well, you know, it's invitation only. It's the best in the world. And, Luke, I don't know if you follow golf close enough or, or have watched it, but this is not – they don't talk about FedEx Cup points and all that stuff because PGA is not – this is not a PGA event. This is the Masters. They're their own – special place and own special event and they make the rules they say how it's going to be you won't see a pga logo on anything there most people don't follow it close enough to know that but uh it is uh it's very very special and he's a part of an elite club at this point all right did you get your golf fix in jed i got my golf fix in i got to play yesterday at uh, one of the most beautiful courses in my state and then we talked about it on the podcast so i'll just sit back and relax the rest of the show you just knock it out bud all right good stuff I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available. Subscribe. And, and, and you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing uh, our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest uh, edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Memorial Day weekend at Memphis International Raceway, they'll play host to the Great American $20,000 Bracket Race and Dream Team Challenge. This event will have something for everyone. It's boasting payouts of 10000 on Friday, 20000 on Sunday, and 10000 on Monday on the box side, while the footbrake contingent will race for 5000 Friday, 10000 Sunday, and 5000 on Monday for only a $200 entry fee. Now, Saturday will feature the first ever Scoggin Dickey Dream Team Challenge. This race will consist of 32 teams of box racers, 32 teams of no-box racers, and 16 junior teams. They'll battle it out to find out who has assembled the ultimate dream team. Now, they are still taking alternates if you'd like to get on the list. So even if you're not competing in the dream team race, there's still plenty to be excited for with the big money on Friday, Sunday, and Monday. Go check them out at the Great American Bracket Race Facebook page for complete details. Shout out to Big Jed. That was a mouthful. Nice read, my friend. Um, I appreciate that. I'll just I'll talk a little bit about this is bracket racing elite because I can just ad lib it. Um, I get this question all the time. What is this is bracket racing elite? How does it work? It's actually tougher to answer than you might think. What I would recommend overall else is asking some of our current members what they value most about the community. I think you'll get a lot of different answers, but I'll do my best to briefly explain what the group entails. As a member of This Is Bracket Racing Elite, you get access to every training that we've ever presented. That's over 200 specific trainings on seemingly every 
sportsman drag racing um, related topic that you could imagine. But that's not the main benefit. Like if it was that simple, Kevin or I would just write a book or develop a presentation. Within the elite community, you not only get direct access to myself and Kevin Brandon in a variety of ways through regular live chats, group discussions, and more, but you also get the accountability, the feedback and the insight from a group of like-minded, and I say like-minded, that's not a group think by any means. We do challenge one another within the group, but like-minded racers who are trying to accomplish many of the same things that you are. Is Elite cheap? No. Is the investment worthwhile? Our members tend to think so. Find out for yourself. There's no obligation beyond the first month of membership. You can give it a try at thisisbracketracing.com. It's time for the big interview on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Uh, we put our feelers out last week for you guys to share cool stories with us stories that might typically be a little bit off the grid stuff that wouldn't jump out to us as we're going through results from some of the bigger races and and thinking about the people that most of us are all super familiar with and we've already gotten some great responses this story that we're about to share and this individual that we're about to bring on this is a microcosm of exactly what we're looking for joining us now on the podcast Podcast is a man named Jeff Lambert. Jeff is a footbrake racer from South Carolina. He is also a uh, retired Navy veteran, and he has established a group called an organization called Armed Forces Racing that he's going to tell us a little bit about. So, Jeff, welcome to the podcast, man. Very, very cool what you're doing. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I guess why don't we start things off by telling us a little bit about your background, and let's keep it just strictly military-related at this point. Tell us about your, your military background. Sure. Okay, so I served in the United States Navy from 92 to 96. I was an aircraft firefighter on the USS Carl Vinson. So I, I drove a fire truck on the flight deck. They say the flight deck's the most dangerous job in the world. And I can attest to that. You know, it's uh, like being shot at from 360 degrees most days when you're up there working. But uh, mm. uh, very exciting time. So then I got out of the service and then uh, spent two years out and missed it. <laughs> and then went back in again, went in the reserves. And then I spent the rest of my time in the reserves. Okay. So active duty from 92, yep. 96. Where were you at in this stage of life? How old were you at that time? In 96, so I went in just a little older than most of the guys, so I went in when I was 20, so I was okay. um, 24 when I got out, yeah. Okay, and then transferring to more of a racing discussion, give us a little bit about, I'm fairly familiar with this story, but tell us a little bit about your racing background and or introduction to the sport. Is this post-date your military days, or is this something? It does. Okay. So... I was working as a college golf coach at the time because after I got out of, the, I was out of active duty service, I went into a full-time golf professional job, and, mm -hmm. and it was several years after that. I was working away from home, uh, traveling home on the weekends. One weekend, I didn't go home, 
And so I decided, hey, I'm going to go out to the drag strip. It was just really almost around the corner. And I thought, well, I'm going to go out there. So I didn't know anything, didn't know what to do. So I just kind of backed my truck up next to the fence there and set a lawn chair up with a cooler and took me some sandwiches and stuff and some pop and sit there and just watch racing. And uh, I ran into a guy named Steve Foley, and I, I know everybody listening to this will know who Steve Foley is. But I asked him, I said, hey, well, you know, what's going on out here? I see everybody's got, like, different numbers, and people leave before other people. And, and Steve, he sat down and took the time and explained it with, well, as much as he could in that little time. Of course, bracket racing is a lot more than a five-minute conversation to explain, as we know. But he explained it to me, and I, and I just got hooked. So I said, oh, I've got to build me a drag car. I have to do this. So just out of the military, not long, not making a lot of money. So it took me like two years to build the Galaxy that I actually drive today. And so every weekend, man, I would just pull up to that fence and sit and just watch racing. And Steve Foley would just took the time out all the time to tell me what was going on and kind of taught me along as I went, you know. And so I just, I got hooked. So my wife, my wife got upset because now I wasn't coming home on the weekends. I was going watching racing. So she had to come to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just find it so cool because to at least some extent, like we're all creatures of our environment and our surroundings. How cool is it that you just by happenstance, like you, the way you told the story, the first time that you're at the racetrack, you have a conversation with none other than Steve Foley. And I don't know about you, Jed, like, if I was completely new to our sport, I can't imagine, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head that could, in a five-minute conversation, put it in simpler terms, like easier to understand, than I think Steve Foley's capable of. Would you agree? You know, I was thinking the same thing, Luke, that it was just fate. That had to be fate, because uh, out of all the people there, you you got the perfect guy. It didn't matter how many people were there. So, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah that's, exactly our, right. that's our Foley right there. And how cool is yeah. it to just think about that from a broader perspective of, and again, we'll single out Steve, to just take the time with a spectator, somebody that is self-admitted, Jeff, ignorant you know, to the sport, to what's going on, to take the time to have that conversation. I think a lot of us would overlook that, and you're a prime example of what can come of that conversation. Here you are so many years later doing what you're doing, benefiting our sport and all about racing. Like that's what happens. That's tends to be spectators become racers. You know what I mean? And I just think it's really cool to highlight that, but we'll let you get back to your story. So tell us about bringing this together, your, your military experience, your, this passion that you've developed for drag racing and bracket racing and how that grew and then how you kind of found a way to intertwine them. Sure. So during that time I was in Kentucky, I'm from Kentucky and uh, Steve is from Kentucky. So that's how, that's how kind of how we met up. So, uh, but I, I moved, I took another coaching job at another school in Kentucky and then got a phone call one day and said, Hey, I got a job offer for you down in Charlotte, North Carolina would you move down there? So I was like, yeah. So when we moved down here, the, the, the market crashed 2008, living in an apartment, I didn't have a place for my car. So I, I had to put the car in storage. And so the car sat there from 2008 until 2013 when we bought our home. So we got car out of storage uh, and brought it down here. And just like every other car guy story out there, I went out there to clean the windows and it turned into a three-year restoration project. <laughs> I'm know, in the middle of one story. of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With your Vega, right? Yeah. 
So it, it really was. I took the back glass out of the car and I seen some rust there and I said, oh man, this thing is it's just like way too long. So it, it, that's how it turned in. But anyway, I told my wife, I said, look, we, we, I've got to restore this car. I've got to fix this car. But for so long, how many times have we talked about trying to do good things for other people and how important it is for us to help other people and I can't think of a better thing to do than to restore this car and try to do something special and something good for our veterans while we're doing it, you know. And so the car really started out to be nothing more than just a tribute. It was just going to be a tribute car, so that's all it was going to be. So when we restored it and painted it, that's all it was. But over time, things started to change. We had a Vietnam veteran show up at our garage, and he said, Hey, you know, I'd like to help you. And he'd been restoring cars for 50 years. You know, he's 70 years old. And he said, and so anyway, he started helping us. He started working with the car. And then his wife pulled me aside one day and she said, you know, I've not seen him this happy in years. Since he's retired and we've moved down here, they moved down from New York. He lost a lot of his friends, you know, not losses in the past, but just lost a lot of friends because he moved. And she said, all he ever talked about was, when I die, do this. When I die, do this. And she said his whole world has changed. And he, everything about what he does now down here at the garage with you and working on his car has changed his whole life. And so I wanted you to know that. Now, he later on opened up to me some about that. But what that did was said, oh, we have to do more. Yeah, so what a powerful we, moment, right? Yeah, exactly. So we started Armed Forces Racing. So Armed Forces Racing it was a project, uh, a, a program that we started where veterans can come to the shop and work on cars. They can come and build a drag car, come and sit and drink coffee if they want to. It's just a place, you know, our motto is mission, purpose, and camaraderie. So you can have a mission, you can have some purpose, or you can just, you know, come and visit with other veterans. It doesn't matter. So we take veterans around. They come and be on the crew if they want to, check tire pressures. They can do what they want. And that, that's really the reason why Armed Forces Racing got started, was because of that one veteran that showed up. That's really cool. It gives some very important people in the American society a, a place where they belong, and, and they can be part of something. So it's a really awesome thing you're doing, Jeff. And I think you explained a little bit about your mission statement right there, and we understand what you're trying to accomplish. What does Jeff Lambert do within the group and, and in your everyday role? So I'm the president and founder of Armed Forces Racing, and we have the Galaxy that I alluded to earlier, you know, and, and I drive that car, but we have a board of directors, obviously, because we are now a 501c3 nonprofit. So we got that status back in December. And, and then I do all the instruction. I do the, a lot of the building. We have volunteers that come over. Like I said, we do some of that, but, uh, I just try to keep that program alive, you know, and keep it running as the president and founder of it. I mean, it sounds like you got a, a quite the task there, but uh, it sounds like it's on pace as well. It's a, it's a really noble thing that you, you've gotten started. And again, I commend you for that. Tell me real quickly where we might see you guys. Where will we see you hanging out at the track maybe sometime? Yeah, sure. So, you know, we run our points races at uh, Greer Dragway and at Darlington Dragway. So if you're in those areas, you will find us at one of those. And we're, and I raced the uh, 64 Ford Galaxy doing those races. And then later on this year, so we're going to do, be doing some driving experiences, and we're building a 92 Mustang GT right now. It's a footbrake car. 
And our goal is there is to have uh, a veteran this year driving that car at some of the points races as well, uh, even with our driving experience. But some of our bigger events, we're going to be doing the Dream Team Challenge, representing uh, this is Bracket Racing Elite. Yay, I'm excited, super excited about that. That's and cool. uh, all the guys are all excited about it. You got No and uh, Brandon Fansteel and Troy Smith and Eric, all those guys. We talk every day. I'm telling you, there's probably no team more excited to get together <laughs> for that <laughs> Dream Team Challenge than we are. I can promise you. <laughs> well, I mean, I bet. I, my Facebook thing here is just blowing up from the group conversation everybody's having right now. So, <laughs> you know, so we're super excited about that. And then we're going to be at the Spring Fling in the uh, the Pro uh, 32 bottom bulb section. Okay, Galat. Uh, we're, uh, we're gonna be, yeah, at Galat. Yep, we're gonna be there at that. So, those two events are really special to me, and I tell you why. Because every year, and everybody listening, if you have a veteran that was killed in action, uh, a family member or a friend, and you want us to put their name on the car for Memorial Day, which is during the Dream Team Challenge weekend, send us a, a message on Facebook or through our contact page at armedforcesracing.org. Send us the veteran's name, and we'll get back with you for some more information. Every year we do this. Every year we get a big turnout for this. A lot of people want their names on the car. But at the Dream Team Challenge, we're going to be doing a, a tribute run. So we'll invite all the veterans and all the patrons and everyone to come up, and we're going to take those veterans' names on the car down the track uh, by themselves as a tribute pass for their sacrifice they made for us. So super excited about that. And then... Yeah, yeah. And then at the Spring Fling at Galat, there'll be a lot more information here coming out over the PA up there, but we're going to do a thing. Kyle and, and Peter and, and Sean Clark, who you all know is a good friend of mine, they're going to allow us to do a thing up there for fundraising called Red and Dead. So if you turn the red light on and you go dead on, then they'll be making announcements and they're asking everybody that does that to make a donation to Armed Forces Racing. So they're allowing them to do this little fundraiser up there too, as well. So, and yes. I think both of those both of those events have team uh, spots open left, by the way. So both of them for the Pro Thirty Two at Spring Fling, and I think there's a few team spots left open up there too, at the Dream Team Challenge. Yeah, I'm sure they'll get those full soon. Man, you're yeah. everywhere, Jeff. Like I feel like a high percentage of our listeners will be hearing about armed forces racing for the first time on the podcast, but from the sounds yeah. of it, not the last time that they'll hear about your group just in the coming <laughs> months with what all you've guys got planned. Very cool stuff for our listeners that are hearing your story and are as moved by this as, as I am quite frankly. And, and we have been here that want to think, okay, well, how can I get involved? Like, how can I be a part of this? How can I help? Jeff Lambert and Armed Forces Racing, obviously you guys are looking to connect with veterans and you're also right. looking for assistance within the organization. So I guess from both aspects, uh, how can our listeners get involved? Okay. So a couple of ways you can become an ambassador. You know, we have a couple of drivers throughout the country that are ambassadors. Uh, Brandon Fannin still is one of those. He does a lot for us. Um, that guy can fundraise like I've never seen anybody fundraise before. And another guy by the name of Gordon Ryder, a couple of other bracket racers in the country that do that. You can become an ambassador like that. If you want to donate, you can go to our website, armedforcesracing.org, and there's a donate page there. And you can donate there to that, or you can volunteer with us. If you're in the 
Charlotte, North Carolina area. We're always looking for volunteers, veterans uh, to come and help work on the cars. Like I said, we're, we're building that Mustang GT right now, that 92. We call that Project DD214. And for people that are not veterans, DD214 is your discharge document that you get when you get out of the service. So it's kind of a, a thing well-known to veterans. Veterans would get that, what that means, but that's kind of like your lifeline when you get out of the service. If Without the DD-214, your VA benefits, your VA home loans, your medical care, you have to have that document. So that's kind of why that car is named Project DD-214. But anyway, kind of got off track there. If you'd like to help us build that car and donate to that car specifically, just say, I'd like for this to go towards Project DD-214 in the notes when you make the donation. And you can also donate on our Facebook page as well at Armed Forces Racing. Now, obviously, when you come to our industry with this type of program, there's no shortage of people chomping at the bit to help out. And you've seen some of that already. I'm sure that that will just grow as Armed Forces Racing grows over time. But currently, like who is part of that roster? Some of the companies, manufacturers, industry members that have uh, have reached out to you and are supporting your program? Wow. Yeah, we got a lot of a lot of support from the industry. First and foremost, you know, it sounds like a, a big suck up here. So Jed, be prepared. But uh, Luke Bogacki has probably been one of our <laughs> largest supporters through this bracket racing week. I mean, uh, really, I wanted to wanted to make sure and thank you, Luke, to let you know that if it wasn't for you and through Elite, some of these connections and some of these things wouldn't happen. So uh, first, and I foremost, wasn't I, trying I really to tee you up there, you. but I, I do appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you wasn't trying to tee me up, but uh, but uh, had to had to throw that in there because it, it, this is bracket racing. Elite's been the best thing that ever happened to 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 my racing and to our program. So first and foremost, this is bracket racing elite. But so uh, some product sponsorships, you know, like through K and N filters how awesome are those guys they've always taken good care of us alley through portatry timing systems you know with these veterans they've never seen a christmas tree before you know they don't know what to do so if you tell them to leave on the third yellow that seems crazy to them right so i talked to Allie, and i was like Allie, I, can you help me out and she's like oh we would love to and so they sent us a, a pocket pal to you know to be able to carry around at these events and teach these veterans about it Kestrel Instruments, they provide all of our weather instruments uh, meters that we use to when we're at the racetrack. And it's another great tool to teach veterans, right, about drag racing. So super excited about that. There was two companies when we first got started that helped us with the capital. J&L Fleet Services is a disabled veteran-owned company. They basically work on UPS trucks is what they do, and they have their own company. Them and another company called Genpack is their corporate headquarters out of Charlotte here. They are a food service packaging company. And without those two companies, we would have never have gotten our 501c3 status. They provided us the capital for that to get us off the ground, get us going to, you know, to build. I mean, attorney fees for a 501c3, if you ever start one, is ridiculous. It's crazy. So, but then you have uh, QA1, you know, uh, shocks uh, helped us a lot. And then, uh, Luke Siebert from Siebert Performance. Got to give him a big shout out. So anybody that's looking for a carburetor for their street car or performance car, street strip car or whatever, Luke and I designed a special limited edition 
Armed Forces Racing Carburetor. So for every carburetor, oh, Armed cool. Forces Racing Special Edition Carburetor you buy from Luke Siebert out at Siebert Performance, he donates some of that proceeds back to the organization. So you can't ask for a better partnership than that, right? Nice. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of people throughout the, the industry, I mean, super, super great, super supportive. And it, it seems odd, but it's just like if you ask somebody, they just help. <laughs> and we're really grateful for that. Well, I'm, I'm sure that you'll continue to receive a lot of support from people because it's such an awesome deal you're doing. Jeff, where do you see Armed Forces racing in the next five to ten years? So the next five to ten years. This year, we're trying to get that drag racing driving experience off the ground. What I would like to do in the next five years is I would like to move that over into the junior dragster program. I would like to move that over into not only veterans getting to drive our drag cars, but a lot of these veterans that come back from overseas and they're trying to adapt back into their families' lives. Look, when I came back from the Persian Gulf, the first Gulf War over there, and I had the hardest time trying to acclimate back into my family's life. And a lot of these guys coming back in, mom has been dad. They've been the disciplinary. They've been the bus driver. They've been everything, right? So when they come back in and try to integrate back into that family life, that gets difficult for them sometimes. So what I would like to do in the next five years is start a junior dragster program. So maybe where the dad doesn't really necessarily want to drive a car, but maybe they've got a kid that wants to drive a car and learn to drive a car. And we could do a junior dragster program. Not only does that help the veterans, but it also helps grows our, grows our sport as well. Sure. So we're introducing kids into junior dragsters, right? That maybe not even get to do that. And so that's where I would like to see in five years. That's where I'd like for us to be. And I've got one other program that I'd like to do, and you all will be the first to hear this, but we're working on and developing right now drag racing for blind people. And I know that sounds crazy, but what we're thinking about doing is racing to the 60-foot with golf carts with a safety pilot in the car, and it'd be off of Audible. So the, cool. the tree will come down audibly, and then you leave, and then if you steer veer to the left too much, it audibles, and if you veer to the right. So that's another program I'd like to see happen in five years as well. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, cool, (laughs) cool stuff all the way around, a little outside the box thinking. Jeff, as you know, I am a huge fan of you personally, and it's so – it would be hard for anyone not to really love what you're saying and be moved by what you're doing. Awesome program, and just to reiterate – Armed Forces Racing, you said it's armedforcesracing.org, correct? Org, right, yes. And, or find you on Facebook, is there any other way that you want our listeners to reach you, whether that be, again, veterans or families of a veteran or racers looking to make a contribution, or I know that we've got several industry professionals that listen to the podcast, if they want to get behind you, is that the best way to contact you? Sure, you can, they can call me, 704 704- Eight nine zero eight four one two is my phone number, or they can email me, and that's Jeff Lambert at armedforcesracing.org, or through the contact page of the website, or message me through Facebook. Any of those avenues will work just fine. Awesome, man. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you for all that you're doing for our sport and the veterans that you're associated with, with Armed Forces Racing. These are, I, I love being in a position to have the opportunity to, to shed lights on programs like these and people like you so jeff thanks for coming on with us man and uh wish you nothing but the best thanks jeff hey yeah yeah thank you all and it was nice meeting you 
Likewise, my friend, look forward to our paths crossing somewhere at a racetrack. And uh, again, keep doing what you're doing, man. It's a really, really cool thing. We're, we're fortunate to have people like you helping our sport. And when you get that junior dragster program started, you're going to be not only teaching kids about racing, which we love, but I'm sure you're going to share the importance of uh, joining a military branch of some kind to uh, help your country, too. So I think it's, it's going to be an awesome thing when you get that going. Yes, sir. Thank you all. Y'all have a great day. All right, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, Big Jed, the beauty of doing a podcast is that um, when you listen to a 70-minute podcast, we don't necessarily record for 70 minutes straight. So, <laughs> hey, God. we got done with the, the interview with Jeff. Jeff was awesome. Thanks again, Jeff, for coming on the yeah. show. But in our downtime between segments, producer Mark basically made us go back and watch this video that Shabs put together for dragcoverage.com. And I got to say, man, shout out to Shabs. Yeah, no doubt. Excellent work. If you guys haven't seen it, go find the drag coverage page or Mike Shabarek and check it out. I mean, he's very talented. You know, we know our buddy Shabs is a little out there. He he likes to have a little fun, but that was very well done, Shabs. You got a lot of talent, brother. Yeah, no, and this is such a cool thing. For those of you that haven't seen it, like it's basically a, a, a recap of the weekend at Darlington. Condenses, if you don't have time to watch four hours of live feed throughout the weekend, Shab's condensed the what you need to know into 10 minutes. And really, <laughs> not only informative, but humorous. Nice work, Shabs. It was very cool. I, would, I hope that this becomes a regular feature and really takes off because this is neat. Our, our sport could use some of this. But yeah. To Mark's point, the the $25,000 final and the timing system issues, staging, antics, you just got to watch the video. Like, I'm not going to try to explain that any better than Chabs did. That was entertaining. <laughs> what? <laughs> Enough said? Oh, yeah. No doubt. That's uh, He said all the things that we're thinking as we're watching that kind of stuff, and he, he does it so well. So And uh, had the perfect background music for it as well. So <laughs> Yes, he did. <laughs> nice work, Shabs. All right, we, all right, we've touched on Shabs enough. Shabs, keep doing that, brother. Keep it coming. Hope that becomes a weekly segment. Now, for purposes of the podcast, let's transition to what's on tap. Honey, where are we racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's What's on Tap! All right, Luke. We like to talk in this segment about what's coming up in, uh, in racing. And goodness, there is coast to coast a lot of great things happening for the Sportsman Drag Racer this weekend. Yeah, we talked last week about the month of April in general. And for the big dollar bracket racer, like we went from Darlington, the race that we talked about earlier that Chabs covered so eloquently, to uh, Jackson, South Carolina this weekend for the SFG Powerball event, to Vegas next weekend for the Spring Fling Million. Did get a little bit of feedback on that, by the way, as far as uh, racers going to all three events. I know Mikey Bloomfield and Mm -hmm. Troy Williams Jr., Obviously, Troy uh, started that that sequence off on the right foot at Darlington, yeah. but yeah. those two guys at least planning on making that triple crown and the the Darlington to Jackson thing 
that's not that crazy. There'd probably be several, well over a hundred racers that attend oh, yeah. both of those events. That's not the kicker. It's the Jackson to Vegas thing in a day and a half. That's the good part. <laughs> that is a haul. That's going to be a challenge. And um, if any of you guys are choosing Birmingham as your route across to get wherever you're going, try to avoid it at all costs. Our interstate is a mess. And as you leave Jackson and come across 20 when you get to Birmingham, try to go around it any way possible because it is an absolute horror story right now. I thought you were going to extend an invite to meet up for lunch, but then I realized if they're trying to get from Jackson to Vegas, <laughs> they ain't got time for all that. <laughs> no, no, I would have to jump in the motorhome, eat lunch with them, let them let me out when we get done. Right, Mark just piped in here. It's it's just a nice conservative 2,127 miles from Jackson, South Carolina to Las Vegas. So, KB, that's what you got to look forward to, buddy. Yeah, only 31 hours. Yeah, just a quick uh, through the south. No biggie. All right, Powerball coming up this weekend. I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse here, Big Jed, because we have had huge winners politely decline an invite to come on the podcast. But our plan is to sit down with the winner of this weekend's Powerball event on next week's show. So there's something to look forward to in addition to the Powerball, which will be one of the three biggest purses of the 2018 season taking place at the House of Hook, Carolina Dragway, Jackson, South Carolina. In addition to that, this weekend is NHRA heavy, Big Jed. We have divisional events in Las Vegas, Galat, and a double divisional at the Texas Motorplex down in Ennis, Texas. Yeah, so the guy's not choosing to do some big money bracket racing. Got a lot of great options on the NHRA Divisional Series, and um, I'm sure that the uh, Powerball is going to go well, and, and everybody will get their fix there and get headed to Vegas. But, Luke, you like to put me on the spot every time there's a, a monster event coming. You like to – you don't ever prepare me for it. So who's going to win the Powerball? Hmm. Okay, Powerball. Let me go. I just got a feeling I'm going to go a little bit off the grid here. I'm going to go door car, and I'm going to go with Jody Davies. Whoa, Jody Davies winning the Powerball in the door truck. So that's a really good pick. Jody, Jody. has told me in the past that he's a regular podcast listener. So, Jody, if you're listening to this on the way to Jackson, no pressure, bud. Get her done. Yeah, I actually changed my name after the last Huntsville race last year to Jared Davies. He is my daddy and uh, <laughs> very, very capable of winning the event. I am going with Jeremy Hancock. Hey, uh, you stole my pick. Yeah, I think Hancock's due, and uh, he's he's great racer. So good yes. luck to Jody and Jeremy. It's funny. We did this going into the SFG race at Reynolds, and I picked Jeremy, and you picked Corey Galetti. Right, or, or did you just take Family Galetti? I think I I took, yeah, I'm not real sure if I took Chris or Corey or just Family, but um, okay. I, I definitely picked a Galetti. I went to that race, and I'm not, I, I meant to mention this on the, on the following podcast, and I'm pretty sure that I did not. I don't think it was my first two rounds of competition, but it was like within the first four times that I went down the track, I raced Jeremy Hancock, and I raced Corey Galetti. And really? I thought... 
what are the odds? And I've kind of got a conflict of interest. Now, luckily for me, because I can't ever have you be right. Like, it was a complete coin flip race, but I, I got by Corey by a thousand thirds of a second or two, and Jeremy kicked my butt. So at least I had the solace of loading up, knowing, well, maybe I'll be right, and Jeremy will go on and win. He didn't, but yeah. I thought that was interesting. I don't know if you know it or not, but Bobby Spence almost made me look like a, a really smart guy last week. He went deep, I think, in that first 25, uh, maybe, maybe ah. like five, five, six cars or semis. So it was it was a really good performance by Bobby. So he almost got it done for me. But Jeremy Hancock's going to pull it out in the Powerball. All right. So to this point, the only pick that's really ever come through for us is Cameron Manuel. Yeah. yeah okay. Great. Yeah, I think I'm sure that everybody appreciates you mentioning that. And yep. again, just wanted uh, to bring just, that up. Just shows my failures, just like that <laughs> stupid decal that I just got in the mail. Oh, oh yeah, how's that? How's that working? Out? Is that is that uh, we we've got it? Huh? We've I, taken delivery. My window isn't big enough. My rear window. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to put this thing. It's hideous. Uh, thank you, Greg Neese. Thank you, uh, Lee Norton at Racer Tees for uh, for printing that out. And I don't even want to race right now because that decal is going to be on there next time I go. But I'm going to look back at the rules and see what it says about where it has to be, and then I'll I'll install it from there. Yeah, just uh, I, I see. It sounds like it's too big for the drive shaft, so that's a good sign for the show. <laughs> We mentioned the uh, the three NHRA Lucas Oil Division races, really four, because Dallas is a double. In addition to that double divisional, Big Jed, uh, this is Money Monday uh, coming up uh, next week. Following that yeah. divisional, Britt Cummings and I believe the NHRA Division Four guys have gotten together to have a non-points earning event Monday following that double divisional. But uh, huge purses. I think if the fields fill, that's $10,000 to win, correct? I think it is, Luke, and it's uh, an opportunity for those guys to forget about points and, and records and whatever else going through your mind and win some serious cash. Uh, great idea by Brett and the guys at D4. And uh, it looked like, you know, I was getting some good support first time out. So hopefully it goes well. Yeah, super cool format and cool idea. I hope that all of those fields are full and huge, and that goes over really well. And either way, we will uh, we'll be sure to talk about it on next week's show and let you know who does what at Dallas and at Vegas and at Galat and at Jackson. We'll have a lot to talk about. No shortage of racing going on this weekend. Hearing them go on and on Just so you can prove them all wrong Only thing that matters is who turns the big all right guys that is a wrap on this episode of the sportsman drag racing podcast i definitely want to say thanks to our guest jeff lambert and uh, really look forward to seeing armed forces racing continue to grow I want to say thanks to our great sponsors siebert performance the great american bracket race and this is bracket racing elite Luke? mark just told us did did we have we just talked for an hour and 15 minutes it feels like it went by lightning fast. I don't know. I mean, I thought you were going to say it felt like we'd been on here for three hours. Um, I don't. Yeah, we looked at the show notes and we're like, oh, this will be a, this will be a quick show. We might have to elaborate. That's the last time we have to mission tell accomplished. One of us to elaborate. All right. Um, yeah, good show. Shout out to Shabs. Uh, shout out to Bradley Johnson. Sorry, I missed on your first national event win. Shout out Corey Galetti. Shout out Jeremy Hancock. Shout out Cameron Manuel. 
humble brag. <laughs> and of course, shout out to Cole Castile. Shout out to Crosby, North Dakota. <laughs> Great shout outs. I'm loving these, and I look forward to them every week. And guys, uh, we want us to want you to tell us what you think about the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast. Starting to get some feedback each and every week from you guys, and we appreciate it. Message us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page, or you can at either Luke or myself on Twitter, or you can do a combo and get us both if you like. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I, and I am at JP11X. Awesome show. Been a blast talking racing with you, and we can't wait to talk to you again after some great racing this weekend and tell you all about it next week. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.